I didn't even know where Bruges fucking was. It's in Belgium. Bruges is a shithole. Bruges is not a shithole. Bruges is a shithole. Ray, we've only just got off the fucking train. Could we reserve judgment on Bruges until we've seen the fucking I know it's going to be a shithole. So welcome back to Mark S. Played, and this should be the easiest... Well, it's either going to be the easiest episode, the easiest topic, or maybe the most difficult, because it's fairly broad, Hyro. And uh, the, the movie I have selected, which uh, apparently is revealed at the end of uh, our last episode you've seen ten times, in Bruges, I'm assuming you know, you're not hate-watching it uh, ten times to try to figure out uh, why you don't like it, like some people do in film Twitter, but it has inspired a uh, topic of the pleasure of complaint, pleasure of complaining, which I think we all do. Uh, I don't know if we all do a good job of online, but that seems to be the natural discourse is to complain about things. Uh, I mean, isn't that what Twitter was built for? I mean, is that uh, Twitter and podcasting is built for that? Yeah, I, I, and certainly, I think I, I don't know if on Marcus played you and I are as negative as what, <laughs> what we have well, been in other movie podcasts. We were. I think that we were. I, I think we spent the first twenty episodes of this podcast bitching about Netflix and Marvel <laughs> back to back to back, like volleying between volleying between the two. So, as uh, well, one of those has been vanquished. Netflix is not. Marvel movies are on hiatus, like everything else. But uh, I think I mentioned a couple episodes back. Now uh, we kind of have to keep our complaints, right? Because Netflix is one of the few providing us new content. Uh, but of course, we pivot on this show <laughs> to go back to old content. <laughs> We're not chasing anything that's nope. new or topical because there's really not anything that is uh, universally topical on uh, film Twitter. So. I think with this one, uh, it, it kind of struck me based on uh, our foreigner discussion, the podcast I used where someone was, uh, I think, reasonably complaining about the foreigner. And I liked using that clip not only as a jab at you because I, I couldn't bring the goods because I, I couldn't be that deceitful and say I didn't like it because I enjoyed that movie. But there does. Because you loved it along with all of my recommendations. I wouldn't say loved, but I did love Colossal. Uh, speaking of which, four ninety nine today on iTunes and that was an instant instant purchase for me. Let me check Amazon to see if it's uh, go ahead and talk. I'll be shopping. I'll be shopping. Okay. That's normal, normal course of things. But the one thing I liked about the uh the, the clip I used for the foreigner was even when one of the hosts was uh, issuing some complaints about a film that didn't work for him like it did for his co host, certainly for us, uh there seems to be a lost art in making that sound interesting without just uh, resorting to general bitching. I, I, I think that's something that uh, in our, I don't know about you, but in, for me, when I'm doing a movie podcast and trying to find an in, trying to find a take that's entertaining to listeners, it's outright love and outright hate, I think are the two hardest yeah. ones to navigate. There's not a lot of nuance out there. Yes. <laughs> there's, and there's not a lot of nuance. <laughs> there, there seems to be, I think, uh, people got the idea probably early on from bad movie podcasts that it's like, oh, let's find stuff that is uh, not enjoyable to watch, but it makes it more enjoyable to shit on it and talk about it. And there is a mm. certainly an, it's certainly, I think, easier to do that than it is to just make I love this sound interesting because there is only so much, I guess, fawning you can do. Hi, I'm Chris Farley, and this is the Chris, this is the Chris Farley show. And, uh, 
Tonight, uh, my host is Jeff Daniels, one of the greatest actors um, around, I guess. And God, I hate doing this part, man. I never know what to say. No, no, you're doing fine, Chris. You're doing good. Really? Yeah. No, I'm not. Anyway. <laughs> Mr. Daniels has done the Purple Rose of Cairo, Terms of Endearment, um, Arachnophobia, and uh, Something Wild, which is an awesome flick. Oh, thanks. Thank you. You remember in uh, Something Wild when uh, Melanie Griffith had you handcuffed to the bed? Remember that? Yeah. And you, you had to make that phone call, remember? And you were chained to the thing and you couldn't get away? Yeah, yeah, I remember. Yeah. <laughs> that was awesome. To me, like, a perfect movie is very difficult to talk about. And that's why I wanted to talk about In Bruges. Because I don't think... That's a good point. I don't mm. think... Uh, as, as much as I, I've also revisited this one, this would be like a four and a half out of five. Like, if I'm using, like, the letterbox scale... Yep. But the four and a half out of five are the ones I would rather talk about and probably watch on repeat more than the five out of fives. I, apparently, you and I grade differently because five out of five is something that I don't give until about 10 years later, right? The highest the movie can get for me right up front on that first watch is about a four and a half. And that's maybe one every three years. So Four is pretty much where I stop. Do you Do you have an instant like... For me, like a five on the letterbox scale is my immediate response is I wouldn't change anything about that. There's nothing. There's nothing else I'm left wanting. So I don't because there's a rewatchability is a factor. Okay, that's so a fair. And you you don't learn that until ten years later. Until you you know you you flip to the channel and you can't help but watch away from walk away from Goodfellas. You cannot walk away. It just comes so on. You Pulp be, comes on. Are you telling me that back in 1990 you would be the asshole? If there was a letterbox at the time, if there was podcasting, this four and a half for Goodfellas, even four even Goodfellas, you you would four and a half. I don't know, man. I think sometimes you know. I loved it from the moment I saw it, but you know what? Much like my buddy Barry, there isn't true love at first sight. <laughs> there is no such thing as true love. <laughs> I gotta I gotta leave myself some room to walk away, swipe right after my wife dies you know, in a horrible accident. <laughs> honestly, I should have used uh, a clip from your uh, your co-host for the pleasure of complaining. Even when it comes to uh, personal relationships, <laughs> oh. <laughs> there's something to keep the keep that eroticism alive by having something to nitpick. There's I don't know perfection is is difficult. But uh, the other thing is like I worry about. I know when I am not complaining or maybe not pointing out that there's possible missteps or little cracks in this piece of art is that I sound, I don't want to come across as like, I'm just an easy pushover for my entertainment or my, my time. Like, and I feel like that's when you get, when someone is like a hundred percent positive on like, you know, the majority of the movies they see, is it harder for you to take them seriously if they're not – If they're, I feel like complaining actually adds a bit of your own personality to something that is not revealed when you just say, this is it. This is as it should be, and there's nothing else to it. It's like everything else. You need a little, a little something there to – it's like the spice of life variety. You know what I mean? Like – it's, you know, you brought up the point earlier about um, the difficulty of talking about something that's perfect, right? So you and I have been podcasting a long time now, 
sadly. <laughs> probably. <laughs> I'm, I'm glad you made that important point there. <laughs> I, think I we counted should, the years in my head, and I was like, Jesus. Oh, man. Sadly. Did you honestly think you would be podcasting this long? Like, how long did you see yourself when you sat down to record the first episode? It, I figured that if I was podcasting this long, I'd been wildly successful. <laughs> I think I think that's the difference yet again between you and I. I I had the opposite reaction that if I'm still doing this, something has gone decidedly wrong in my life. Yeah, like oh, <laughs> so like, um, I have I find it more difficult to talk about movies. Like if I could do a Goodfellas podcast, it'd be me going into the weeds and about how much I love this movie. But talking about something like, um. I don't know that it has a little warts on it. Like a three out of five movie can be more fun because I can, I can one talk about the really good things that really made me enjoy the film, but then also throw in a couple laughs in there. And that's what I like to listen. And you know, you just did me a great service because I just bought Colossal while you were talking and, and, and rambling mm-hmm. on for four ninety nine on Amazon prime. It's there as well. I'm actually hoping that's what our listeners did as well. And so they didn't hear the last couple of minutes of our back and forth. I think that would be a greater service uh, this podcast could do to, you know, get some sales up for Colossal. There you go. So in, in thanks for uh, that, that wonderful rec- recommendation that this thing was on sale, I will give you a compliment about sober cinema, right? Uh, and when there are terrible movies like Cats, like Roar. Yes. It, Yes, you can sit there and talk about how stupid it was, how garbage it was, and yada, yada, yada. But Sober Cinema does an excellent, excellent job of mining the positivity and the comedy out of something that is trash. And that is what I respect out of that podcast. That's why I will listen to my man, the Nasty Hellcat, all day long. Because he's like, there's something there's something there for everybody. Like, So listen to a podcast called The Cinephiles. And they're talking about uh, the late great Bill Paxton. Mm. Is he great post now that he's late, or was he great always? I, That's another. I'll, I'll a little peek behind the curtain here. Uh, when we uh, were starting uh, the first podcast, I did War Machine versus War Horse. Uh, I was pushing at the time uh, as an alternative to just do a Bill Paxton podcast. Oh wow, that was it. And I have uh, I have a Twitter handle. I have the email address. That was an alternative. Uh, that now I probably would never do because I, I don't like the, the sort of overcast of talking about someone that, uh, you know, he, he died too early. Uh, you know, this is not, yeah. uh, it's not like doing a podcast on Jack Lemon or something where there's a sort of a distance and, you know, there was a long storied career. So yes. From, so from he me, had to, if, if Bill Paxton got to his nineties, you, you'd be okay with doing it. Oh yeah. I, I, we would actually already, you know, it would already be in production. It would be one of my many, my <laughs> podcasting empire. <laughs> so the cinephiles, they focused on. Uh, they were talking about uh, Bill Paxton in Aliens. Yeah. Well, and then bringing it to Aliens, I yeah. mean, you know, they're just such a great organic level of levity. Yeah. Because you're not, you don't want to put a bunch of like jokes and zingers into Aliens yeah. to cut the tension because that wouldn't fit. But his arc and his character steals the movie. Yeah. I mean, I one, of, one of the highlights of the film yeah. is his performance as Hudson. It is, and it is right on the edge mm-hmm. of being too far. Yeah. And he is so that guy. And come on. He is at the most quotable thing in the movie. Yes. I mean, over and over again, er, you know, everything he says is something you got quoted with my I mean, friends. Honestly, and, you know, even though it was very sad, I turned on Facebook, uh, you know, in the morning that, that I heard of his passing, and I think every other post was game over, man, game, game over. Yeah, yeah. Well, so and I like sad. what I like about him, what I liked about his character in Aliens, too, is I've always felt that it was, um, 
Chet grown up, like Chet from Weird Science. After, after he <laughs> sure. after he well, had been in military school, <laughs> yeah. right? He, he actually went in the military before, went back in, and ends up on this. Went into hunt. suspended animation yeah. for a couple hundred. That, years. Is, that is that is now forever going to be part of my fan <laughs> well, canon well, for it's life. Just, it's it's, so, it's just it's very derivative of what he does with Chet, but in a way that's more accessible. If you talk about a character who does nothing but complain, <laughs> and I know guys like this. I was in the it was in the army. He's a marine, but same same. For for all intents and purposes, and this guy, man, is nonstop complaining, and there's there's a pleasure in hearing him complain because what the cinephiles was talking about is how he brings levity to aliens, and there's a beautiful balance going on there that James Cameron was able to kind of put together. Of obviously, he took Ridley Scott's very uh, like horror esque uh, uh, space thriller thing, and he revamped it to be more of an action thing, right? So we're, we're pumped up in the action, but he brings this degree of levity and Bill Paxton does it through a bonkers amount of complaining. So I think that he, this character and in this movie, he is the epitome of pleasure of, of complaining, right? So he, he's bringing point. something to us because well, we, he, how, how many times have you heard "Game Over, Man" be be quoted and recited and all this nonsense? I mean, anytime the camera's on him, he's pretty much like a walking GIF in that movie, as far as reaction exactly. GIFs. And that's exactly what they were talking about. Every moment that Bill Paxton is in, in that film, the cinephiles are talking about that he is really stealing the show. I mean, you often see stand-ins for the audience, you know, the uh, the everyman character, and it's usually like. It's usually a fucking drag in the, in the movie. Like you have, uh, not that they're a stupid person. They're, they're ignorant. They're truly ignorant to the world, right? They're a blank slate, and someone else who's cooler will explain to them, "Here's what's happening to you," just so we can relay this information to the ignorant people in the audience. Bill Paxton is. It's rare because he's actually one of the guys in the know. Like he's he's a part of the group. He's a part of the the, the team being yeah. sent. Uh, I wouldn't say, and it's been a while since I've seen Aliens, but I don't remember him being uh, shown as like physically incapable. Like he's just like the uh, uh, like the, the nerd who's never like fired a weapon, right? He's just <laughs> he's just ignorant is the best word. He just does not have any concept of what he's about to face. He may have been prepared and perfectly fine to go into a war zone. And he probably, probably in this, this instance, this sci-fi world, him being kind of an idiot is a positive in the sense that he is macho and thinks he's going to overcome no matter what. So right. not only is he an entry point for the audience here where he's reacting as someone likely would to seeing the, the aliens in that series, but the levity you get from him is that you also don't really mind Probably if bad things happen happen to him, because there's a little bit of a little bit of a takedown well, as far as him being so cocksure that it's like okay, now it's cool to see this guy kind of piss himself a little bit. Let me ask you this: it, spoilers for aliens. <laughs> I, I don't know how old this damn thing is, but when he does bite it, don't you got to feel for him? Like he, I don't like it because I'm, I'm I'm the guy that wanted to start a Bill Paxton podcast, so I, I want him to, oh, well, to that's vanquish. A good point. That's a good point. <laughs> all yeah. of them. I want him to conquer the alien world. I want them him to have them on leashes and chains. I want to see this guy victorious over this creature. Yeah, I, I think it's. I mean, it's it's one of the all time action movies. So yeah, I mean, I think you can revel in this guy panicking a bit. Uh, but you also, yeah. I don't, I don't think you wish him like there are certainly characters like 
on this particular note, this actually would be like could be an entire podcast on its own. Uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman in Twister is very much that character, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Him, I don't think I <laughs> necessarily want him to survive that. He's getting into obnoxious territory for me. And the worst offender is T.J. Miller in Cloverfield, who I despise. I loathe. Is he the one filming? Yeah, because he's he's, oh, he's God, the running yeah, yeah, audio yeah. commentary basically. Oh no, we don't need that at all. That brings me to okay the the sympathy factor of in this case the character who is complaining the most on screen. Um, okay. It's a little bit different. So you you went with a true sort of supporting comedic performance, which uh, as as we were kind of talking there, there's <laughs> there's different tiers to that. And T.J. Miller sits on the absolute fucking bottom, at least for me. Doesn't he sit on absolute fucking bottom of everybody? Like film Twitter hates him. Uh, people hate his snark. Coworkers, yeah, <laughs> like yeah, everybody hates T.J. <laughs> yeah. Miller. Uh, it does There's seem a podcast to. we can make. Yeah, uh, I think we're in. We're in. I guess I don't know if we're in good company, but we're definitely in the majority with, with that particular hot take. Um, yep. With in Bruges, it's certainly different in that one of our leads, and in fact, probably the guy you would expect to be the the star of this movie, even though it's it's a true two hander. Uh, Colin Farrell plays Ray. And Brennan Gleason's his partner, but Colin Farrell is playing the guy that I don't want to call him a fuck up. I mean, I, I think <laughs> I think he certainly could be. And as you watch, I think he I would call him that. Would you call him that for the the incident that sends them to be in Bruges, their punishment? No, no. I think it's an amalgamation. I think he's calling to himself all kinds of stuff the entire time he's in Bruges. He just can't. He has some sort of tick that he just can't <laughs> keep under control, man. Unbelievable. What's fucking unbelievable? Are you talking to me? He pauses even though he should just hit the cunt. And he repeats, yes, I am talking to you. What's fucking unbelievable? Well, I'll tell you what's fucking unbelievable, shall I? Blowing cigarette smoke straight into myself and my girlfriend's face. That's fucking unbelievable. This is the smoking section. I don't care if it's the smoking section. Right? She, she directed it right in my face, man. I don't want to die just because you're fucking arrogance. Uh-huh. Isn't that what the Vietnamese used to say? Vietnamese? What are you talking about the Vietnamese? That statement makes no fucking sense at all. Yes, it does. The Vietnamese! Saying it over and over ain't gonna make any more sense out of it. How, how, how does the Vietnamese have any relevance whatsoever to myself and my girlfriend ha- having to breathe your friend's cigarette smoke? Tell me how saying. That's for John Lennon, you Yankee fucking cunt. <coughs> A bottle! Now don't bother. Alright, so this, this is what I want to get at. So. Uh, you you posited the question uh, as far as feeling sympathy when there's an untimely uh, death at the hands of the aliens for for Mr. Paxton. What what are your thoughts? Now, you've seen this one. Let's be let's be fair. He doesn't die at the hands of the aliens. He dies by his own hands. A heroic death brought brought upon by the the aliens. All right, this is not. <laughs> there's a, there was a choice involved here, <laughs> but a very different one than what Colin Farrell. Uh, oh, is yeah. attempting to do like here because uh, I think 
I, I wonder if people coming to this for the first time. So I'll just go ahead and drop my clip because actually the, the clip I have is from uh, FlixWatcher, which uh, we, we started at the top of the show saying that our uh, our first season of Marcus played, if you go back to the, the, the box set, the syndication of it, a lot of bitching <laughs> uh, about Netflix, yeah. a lot of uh, complaining, uh, fitting with our theme. Uh, this is a show centered around uh, just saying, hey, this is on Netflix currently. You should watch it, which is probably a more popular you know, conceit than our, than our show, a movie podcast about movie podcasts, like really narrowing our demographics there. Uh, so they bring on some guests. And uh, in this case, one of the guests was aware of Martin McDonough and sensibilities because the, the podcast uh, that I'm using for Embruge. Uh, came out around the time of Three Billboards, so they're they're talking about that. Oh, Seven yeah. psychopaths, yep. Jen. Yeah, no, I watched it for the first time yesterday. Yesterday, in preparation for this, obviously. Thank um, you very much. It, you're welcome. I mean, it is rather <laughs> the point of me being here, so it's really the least I could do. Um, <laughs> it, it was it was well bleak, well bleak. Um, was, so, what did you expect then before before you watched it? Well, the way, so Hannah and our colleague Mickey, the way they were talking about was like banter fucking rama. Like, huh. this is the funniest thing you'll ever see. But it is really funny. Oh, it funny. is. It is really funny. But it is, bear in mind, I haven't seen Seven Psychopaths and I watched Three Billboards like a couple of weeks ago. And that wasn't what I expected it to be. It didn't meet my expectations uh, in terms of the plot. And um, so I was sort of interested to see this because I haven't, seen any of his films until that one um and yeah they'd sort of build it as this like hilarious thing and it is very funny but it was really really bleak as well because yeah it was good it's it, it, as you said it's like you know there is this horrible horrible bleakness but the the humor which is very very dark does sort of punctuate it quite nicely yeah not only the fact that, uh, I guess, spoiler alert, even though the spoiler I'm referring to is in Bruges, is the very first sentence of the Wikipedia summary. The, like, the first, you know, eight words uh, is that Colin Farrell accidentally kills a kid when he's sent to kill a, a priest. You assume to be some sort of crooked priest that he's on there, the hit list. Uh, but uh, the bullet goes through this adult man and hits a child. And so this is the reason that they are sent to their version of purgatory to sort of await his, his final judgment, the hands of uh, Ray Fiennes and who can't spell his first name. You're not a fan, not a fan of you. You'd prefer him to be a Ralph. Yes. <laughs> Look, <laughs> it doesn't even sound proper to me. Like to call that dude. Uh, I don't know. He just doesn't look like a Ralph. Maybe that's why I just don't. That's always troubled me. Like, Sorry. You, you can be that way. I, I don't know what his, uh, you know, origin story is, uh, but I assume he's not American. So if you, if you want to, you can, you can be the Charles Barkley of this podcast. You can embrace being the ugly American traveling across the globe, insulting people. Or, 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 or struggling to get to the top of the of the castle like he doesn't fit. <laughs> that's true. That, that Charles Barkley could have made a cam, cameo. In, uh, he's from the UK. Like, that's the birthplace of English. This has touched a nerve with you. This is playing into you. See, that's why I was saying this topic. Uh, we we would just fall into it on every episode anyway. Here I am complaining <laughs> about how the man's name is pronounced. I'm just falling back to, into my old traps. Mm -hmm. My goodness, the uh, perfect for this episode. The, the point that I'm trying to make here is, or <laughs> I guess my podcast was trying to make was, this is not necessarily a setup for a good time at the movies, and she. 
like she actually came across favorably about the film, but she didn't know for, for kind of a stretch of the movie. She didn't really know if she was going to enjoy uh, the company of these men and their particular predicament, because you do have to get over the fact that a kid has been killed. And I, I, what I really like about the movie is you have like the actual characters in the midst of their buffoonery and shenanigans, you do have the two characters that will wrestle with this. And it's almost like, I mean, it is a very much a change of pace, a change of gears mm-hmm. totally in this film. But I, I think you see that certainly with three billboards. I don't know about seven psychopaths. No. Might be the most broad and kind of, that's the one I like the least for that reason. They in Bruges and, and three billboards really whip you back pretty, pretty wildly. And, and effectively, I think that's the point, right? That Martin McDonough is going for, like they whip you back, at, you know, because they're doing like the the dwarf jokes and the cocaine and all this stuff, and then whoop, there's this like very heartfelt thing about killing that kid, which I'm sure you rooted for, but yeah, I, um, I'm definitely in the uh, minority on that one because I assumed that it would be Martin McDonough's uh, brief interludes with race relations that, <laughs> that make people oof. uncomfortable. Uh, thankfully it's, you know, espoused by a racist dwarf, I guess, in this case, when he gets, <laughs> when he does a little too much, uh, blow, uh, that's when the, the racism, the, the talk of race war comes out. Is that what happens? Is that how Coke works? I don't know. I, it doesn't seem to work that way for Colin Farrell. So I, I don't think so. I think uh, there's something, <laughs> there, there's some heinous things coming out of this, this dwarf, that, which is maybe why we root for what happens to <laughs> later on in the film oh, man <laughs> not only are you rooting for the death of children now you're rooting for the death of like faux children i i am consistent and that's the death of you small are. people <laughs> they can all all die especially the racist ones i'm sure there's some racist kids out there too go ahead and clear that out before they become a voting age we need to- <laughs> <laughs> uh i'm just gonna let that let the space lie there yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like, okay that's that's good just leave me hanging on that um i just i just wondered like you're you're you seem like a guy though that probably welcomes surprise uh more so than and i, I would assume most people on the movie podcast in my films yes you're extremely conservative and vanilla in your <laughs> personal life that's what you're putting on the record what well <laughs> I don't want the dog jumping on the bed thinking it's going to get like get into the mix and stuff like that. I mean, I, I, I'm I down for some from good times, but my goodness, you ain't got to, you know, there's, a, there's I have my line. You left me hanging on the, uh, my, my final solution for conservative leaning children. Uh, so I'm just going to leave you hanging on that you one. Gotta, you know, just getting back from Germany. You got to be cautious with the term <laughs> final solution. <laughs> You gotta be cautious, man. <laughs> cautious. You know what's interesting that as I was doing research for this this thing about um, the pleasure in complaining, I noticed that a, a lot of the complaining in films is done by very young, angsty characters. Mm. You know what I mean? Like you get a lot of the ladybirds of the world and these teenagers that God the boohooing, and I I start to go towards the Denison camp of yes, please put these people down. Mm. You know, bef- you know if you can't behave properly. But then you get little little revelations like Little Miss Sunshine, right? Where the angsty character, he's doing his complaining by being silent, which is, I figure, right in your Preferable. wheelhouse. Like, this I, is the I, kid I, I love. I did like that character. I felt like... Rebellion through silence. One of the first times I could see myself as a parent was if I <laughs> if I had that kid as a son. Now, I don't want to be Greg Kinnear 
in that that particular equation but uh and maybe that's a big factor in why he's choosing uh the the valve silence there uh, but you're right like the and there's like a shorthand acceptance uh, first off probably the target audience uh won't see it as unnecessary complaining they'll see it as justified and the adults in the room will understand cuz they're like well i've i've been through that age or i have kids yeah they are like that so we can we can accept this i, I don't know what like what's a movie where an adult like <laughs> from minute 1 is like griping the entire time and it's acceptable. Like I, I feel like to an adult audience about an adult character with adult problems, you, you run the risk there of really just becoming too obnoxious, too abrasive. Maybe um, uh, Edward Burns' character in uh, Saving Private Ryan, where he's calling out the absurdity hmm. of uh, putting all these people's lives at risk to save one dude. But he's a hero, right? Like I mean, he has a he has a practical point. But do we do we give him room to complain because he is? putting his life on the line for this. Yeah, no, that's fair enough. But, you know, we, I, you didn't frame the question like that, right? You, you didn't give me that <laughs> I, boundary. I didn't know you were going to pick on a, a war hero, a cinematic war hero. You're pulling the ball away. <laughs> you know, I mean, I can see you're, why your 2K uh, game nights get so testy and there's you wake up to 7,000 tweets about uh, personal lives because you're clearly changing the rules as the game goes on. I, I feel like podcasting has to do that, right? You have to move the... The goalposts around, like if we come to an accord <laughs> too quickly, that's not good radio. That's not good. No, it's not good radio. Here's the other thing: uh, inside baseball, on, on just podcasting about movies, what, what's more egregious? Like people like clearly just wanting to work to an agreement, so that there's that there's no conflict on the show between, I guess, either hosts or guests, or playing up their differences just to have like a crossfire. Sort of like ESPN sports talk, yelling heads uh, that they're just the, looking uh, for. the Stephen A. Smiths right, of the world. Right, right, right. Ooh, that's a good question because I, I want an organic thing. I want it to be genuine. I want. I don't want this manufactured thing. If you can manufacture it and make it sound like it's organic, then you have a talent, known man. Because it's hard to do. I think in podcasting world to create that banter and that, that that is enjoyable to the ears not organically right it's it's hard to do i think uh, you know I, I i think the podcasts that i like you know i know them and i i know that there's a history there that there's a a long um a long growth process that went into building that banter that shit ain't easy to just manufacture. So are you looking for... Because trust me, I've tried with some, some guest hosts. I, I'm I'm awaiting certain episodes to come out. I've tried. I... Can't make it happen. I, I'm, I'm wondering if, uh, if people apply that also to their movies at this point. Are you... Are people wanting to see... Not just conflict. Because, I, I mean, conflict usually is necessary for... Uh, uh, whatever narrative uh, you're using, whatever setting, uh, you have to have some conflict. I assume, like you even mentioned, Lady Bird. I mean, it's it's her and her mom, right? It's her and her best friend. Like they they yep. have to they have to have something going on there. But I'm wondering if people are aspiring to see conflict with their own philosophies on film, or are you just wanting to see your worldview? represented or maybe you're the the idyllic worldview that you would like to to say, see on screen because i think that's something martin mcdonough does very successfully is even if you're 
digging certain characters, he will throw in a supporting character like the racist dwarf here that I think is meant to make you kind of uncomfortable with how the guy that uh, you followed for 45 minutes, like what he's going to do in this particular situation. And I feel like, especially with something like three billboards where it was an Oscar contender, like people were very uncomfortable in particular with like the Sam Rockwell character because he's despicable in some regards, but then he has a capacity to actually do some, do something decent. doesn't make him a, yeah, like he's so stupid that he's good. Almost. It's odd, you know, Forrest Gumpian? And is that what you were going no, for? No, if Forrest Gumpian was if Forrest Gump was a racist, <laughs> <laughs> you know, you have a really good point. Though I think that you know we live in this world where there's like this big gray area, right? Like this, nothing is black and white. Even though, God, I, I, I don't want to go down this road, but in 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 our political views and stuff, we are now becoming more polarized right so we're black or white there's no gray area anymore there's no there's no talk about issues there's no talk about none of that you were there on this team or that team and i appreciate martin mcdonald you know throws a little gray area there with our characters right and you see it in you see it with francis mcdormand in three billboard every character that he builds out um he really provides he lets you choose i think and uh I appreciate that. I, I know that's a really good, really good observation. Let, let me ask you this: Do, are, are, When you go to Bruges, are you are you Gleason? You know, getting angry at Colin Farrell for his disdain and uh, or not appreciative stuff? Or no, uh, man, I'm. I mean, this is the the one time in my life I can say, oh, I'm definitely Colin Farrell. Uh, which I, I <laughs> unfortunately for me, uh, I'm not getting the aspects that I want from him. The the, the glorious hair. Uh, the the movie star good looks, uh, the accent would be would be nice. Uh, very, I'm sure it's done him very well. Uh, I you know if if my wife would ever uh, get on a podcast, which you you know you say that she should, she should replace me because I'll I hundred percent I would I would pay <laughs> to have her on an episode, I, and whatever her stipulation is, I you know I gotta record with blindfolds on, I gotta <laughs> let her lead, I gotta do whatever. Is that a form of a prostitution if i made that a patreon thing and i was like look baby Jeez. you gotta get on the mic gotta do it i <laughs> refuse to even address that because we are talking about a, a lady that i like your wife and you brought up the one the p word there i wouldn't even repeat it my goodness you know what i'm gonna edit this one so i can send it and mail it out to everybody look what mike said disgusting she's animal in the, she's in the room but uh yeah, hopefully the, the the context was was missed there, uh, which is just better oh, for boy. listeners in general. No, I, I think I I'm gonna I'm gonna argue with you here. Okay, I don't think you're Colin Farrell. She would say oh, I, I think am. she would are. say I am traveling with me that I am the complainer that I'm the one that does not. Look you up. are the com- okay. So you agree with right. that? You are you are Colin. I am from what from my engagements with you in person in real life. I think you're Colin Farrell from your. Your culinary tastes? <laughs> I mean, you're very Colin Farrell, and let me. Give, I just want to go to the pub, and I just want to, you know, give him my nuggets and my fried shrimp, and just let me be. Yes. Okay. However, in your cinematic experience, I think you're a Brendan Gleeson. I think you rail against the masses and and the lack of like they go to a castle, right? This beautiful thing, and they go to. He's looking at the history and the beauty of it, and he, this art appreciation. I think that you are Brendan Gleeson when it comes to that. You. Or have a disdain for those who do not appreciate film the way you do. 
I wouldn't go that you far. Cannot tell me any different because I, I've seen I, it. <laughs> I wouldn't go that far. I I will say uh, it, it actually maybe it's even more extreme uh, than what you're you're putting out there to the world. I I do like, and I even had that thought earlier today. Like like so the the what we're going through uh, across the entire world. Uh, I, I find myself getting more agitated, not about what we've lost. Which I mean, you're talking about people who are. Uh, in financial constraints or may have lost mm-hmm. their lives, all yeah. that. So just yep. the people who are not necessarily dealing with those problems that are just at home and, you know, they've like, we've had our movies taken away from us. Uh, people can't go, I don't know, play basketball. If they had like a, a rec league, they ran something like that. I get it. They can't cut their hair. Can't, cannot cut their hair. Uh, even though you, uh, put your, <laughs> your children to work. Like, uh, this is like the previous century. You know, they've got to earn their keep around the, around the they house. Do. Uh, <laughs> I, I have been getting probably even more agitated than normal that, uh, people are, <laughs> this is going to sound terrible. People are not like me, I guess. Uh, cause this, there it is. <laughs> this is one, one area where I feel like my, my love of movies and talking about movies has really helped me. And I know the theatrical experience is gone, but my lifestyle, as far as like having a thing, like a crutch, like when my day's bad, certainly right now it's a very stressful time for everyone. Uh, I, I have a thing, like I have an escape hatch, right? And that's, that's what movies are. Like I can, I can go <laughs> experience Colin Farrell bitching for two hours and he makes me laugh. And his situation is, also very stressful and dire, but there are people if, you know, just briefly, uh, the, uh, the, the last episode we, you brought up Facebook people. So I, I, I've thought, should I just turn this off? Like, cause it's like, I do like the people I care about kind of knowing where their head's at or what they're doing. And the people who are sort of embracing this as far as finding their thing or maybe something they, they put aside, like when the daily grind was, you know, the norm, I I really respect that, but the people who are like seemingly totally lost on how to buy their time when this <laughs> this great nation is being put to the test, not like the epic complainer Edward Burns, where his life is being put on the line t- to travel across enemy terrain to rescue a man uh, who is who's dying for people to have the right <laughs> to lay on the couch and please, for the love of God, just watch something on TV and don't spread this thing. I, I'm I'm at a loss that people are not seeing this as some sort of strange opportunity to like find their particular passion or to like reinvest that time they wouldn't normally have into doing that. But you know what they're doing? They're doing the, the theme of the show. They're just they're getting online and just Fucking generally complaining. complaining. Yep. And yeah, that, that does uh aggravate me more. That that is close to the approximation, probably a, a much worse one of what you're saying about me is that I don't even really understand where these people are coming from. If the, if they're genuinely complaining about there being nothing to watch on TV and why won't the government let them go out and like, you know, share germs with other people. I, I don't know. I, I don't get it. I do not get, I do not get the masses here. So I get the masses from an economic perspective, you know, those who are in the service industry, who can't work and are getting less money and all that stuff. But uh, no, I'm with you. I, I, I don't under. I mean, my children are young, you know, they're seven and four, so I understand them, you know, they're cooped up and they want to go hog wild, but what adult doesn't want anything more than just to sleep in a little longer, (laughs) sit on the couch and drink tons of beer, watch movies, 
play battleship with the kids play dominoes with the kids it's it's interesting like we have an avenue now that probably the the greatest and most self-destructive avenue for complaining that the world has ever seen with social social media uh where you can get into that weird feedback loop of other people acknowledging your complaints as uh not only like vital to the the conversation but like totally genuine and earned like yes you should yeah you should feel that way there there should <laughs> there should be a brennan gleason that's like <laughs> saying yeah you just shot a kid but we're <laughs> we're on a company paid <laughs> a hitman company paid trip here we're staying in a beautiful place the the you know the city of fairy tales light uh you can you can drink at a pub anywhere what, what are you doing with yourself like you know embrace this terrible situation for what whatever positive moments you can find because uh and i say that as the cynic <laughs> because i'm saying it like the axe is over your head <laughs> and it's it's coming for you so you may just want to do it like i mean i i, I don't understand um the the need necessarily to complain how about this in a boring way if you can be like martin mcdonough and you can complain in a way that entertains others then you are doing a service and a kindness to us as we strive to to have more entertainment. But if you're just complaining just to get a very generic, hope you feel better. It's okay. I feel the same way. I, I have nothing for the lot of you. All of you are terrible. Get off my feed. At the very least, be Bill Paxton and bring some levity with your complaints. You know not a mean? lot of them. Be Bill Paxton. Not a lot of them. Be Martin McDonough. No, no, not, not um, it's, it's too, uh, it's too saccharine sweet. On social media. Yeah. I can't can't take it. So when you're doing your podcast, you know, be bring some levity, bring some fun to the world because we fucking need it right now. So in, in particular with podcasts. Podcasts are a, a a very passive form of entertainment. We are we are meant to be background noise. And uh I, I assume we only really grab people's attention when we're either like really on a point that they agree with or that they really disagree with us. So we're probably contributing to the lack of nuance there as well. <laughs> <laughs> Michael Dennison contributing to the degradation of the world. This is very sad. I like very it. Very sad episode. Uh, what have you got for us next? What, what's going to lighten us up? Where, where are we going? Uh, switching gears. Ooh, I, th I think what we're going to do is we're going to continue down this road of really bringing uh, art house films to the to the to the public. Right? Okay. We're yeah. gonna, so there was a, like a period of time early in my podcasting days where. I tried to, to um, hang on to the moniker of Art House Hiro. Mm -hmm. You know, so that was that was a brief moment in the sun for that. For foreign films were my thing, so why not talk about one of the greatest foreign films of all time? Uh, Crocodile Dundee. <laughs> you really and, had to wind and, up there, right? You, what? Yeah, you know. <laughs> and, and and talk about foreign films and foreign films as a place in our uh, in our movie watching. Um, in our in our in our uh whatever a movie watching schedule yeah uh i don't know if we're doing a service to the people i was pitching about as far as like hey you can find a movie to watch uh because you, you you say foreign film and man we we're we we're kind of on a tear because you you launch us with uh <laughs> the foreigner so there it is in the, in the fucking title uh and then i'm going with <laughs> in bruges which I, I don't know if people consider it a foreign film but it is i mean it's about an entirely different culture than the dumb i mean the dumb americans are fat and made fun of and now you're going with, to my knowledge, the only Australian film ever, ever made. So, 
Wow. <laughs> Just leave right there. <laughs> Good. That is your cut point right there. The only Australian movie ever made. Can I go ahead and have a preview clip of what I would use from the curb for the, on that note? Uh, I only need to know one thing. Where they are. Anytime, anywhere. Right, right. Somebody said alien. She thought they said illegal alien and signed up. Fuck you, man. Anytime, anywhere. Are you finished? Any questions? What is it, Private? How do I get out of this chicken shit outfit? You secure that shit, Hudson. Nothing on a Saturday.